one of the frustrations about running your own business, either as a solopreneur or a small business owner, real estate investor, is the kind of things that get in your way. And very often it ends up being enough that you almost want to give up on the business or get rid of it or step away from it. And my guest today, Pete Moore, is multi-entrepreneur. He's been an entrepreneur, run several businesses at the same time, started as an entrepreneur 30 years ago. And many of those lessons in those different businesses and as a business broker, buying and selling businesses for people, he's developed these a variety of frameworks that help people kind of cut through the chaos and overwhelm of running a business. And we have a great conversation around one of those particular frameworks and how, uh, how you as a business owner can start to look forward to not just running your business, but to creating the life that you want that business. It was the reason maybe why you even started that business and leading the life that you want to have. So enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Personally Brandtastic podcast, where we help you build your personal brand and business so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. My name is Paul Kopkin, and every day I work with real estate investors, professionals, and business owners who want to stand out from the crowd and attract more of the right opportunities without feeling inauthentic or spending all day doing it. It's all about communicating how personally brandtastic you are. Because marketing is how to get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. Now, back to the show. Pete, thanks for joining us today. Really looking forward to our conversation because uh, you know, you've got a ton of entrepreneurial experience. You're still running businesses mm, as, sure. as well as your own coaching business now. So perhaps kind of give us a little bit of background, you know, have your entrepreneurial journey a little bit and then what you're doing now. And then we can kind of take the conversation from there. Yeah. Well, hey, it's crazy as it is, almost coming up on 30 years since being sort of a full-time entrepreneur. I've, I used to, you know, even before that through university and everything had sort of the part-time entrepreneurial things, you know, the summer landscaping businesses and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, coming back to 1994, I bought my first franchise and that's how I got into business, Paul. And it was a bathroom renovation company. And then I carried on with that and had it till and sold it in 2015. It's, I'm proud to say, still going strong today, 29 years later, which is really wow. cool. I had another franchise called Sani Service, which was a cleaning business that we bought. It was pretty troubled back in the Ottawa area where I was living. And that business had 30 clients when we started and 300 when we sold it in 2009. So we grew it 10 times did essentially and sold it. it became a business broker, helping people buy and sell businesses, which was a lot of fun which is how I found one of the businesses that I currently own. It's called Shootopia. And we own two Shootopia stores, one in Fergus, Ontario, and the other one in Mount Forest, small town stores, lots of great stuff with Shootopia and continue to run those. And I've had a, I have had a couple of other little businesses along the side and I continue to coach pretty much on a daily basis and have awesome conversations with cool people like you and a lot of different business owners around simplifying entrepreneurship, which is where I hang most of my hours in a given week these these days, talking to other people, trying to help them go from being frustrated to having freedom, which is why we get into business, isn't it, Paul? I, well, yeah, I was going to ask you, what was the entrepreneurial bug? Was that family? Was it something you observed as you were growing up or... Yeah, well, my dad ran a company. So for another individual, awesome gentleman, and he had many businesses on the go. And my dad was sort of the principal for one, this one large heavy construction company in Ottawa. And so he, although he wasn't the owner of the business, he basically ran it. And my mom was a school teacher and 
you know, when she had my sister and I, she gave up teaching and she was always entrepreneurial in the background. She's doing crafts, she's making little things, and she's always kind of out there hustling and selling. And so I kind of grew up in an entrepreneurial family. And I mean, all my aunts and uncles are entrepreneurs and retailers and different, you know, all sorts of different things. And, you know, it was just a way of life, I think, more than anything from growing up in that perspective. And, you know, I never really, I worked for somebody else, which was my dad's best friend for about six months. And actually I'm named after him. His name is Peter as well. And so I worked for Peter for about six months. And at that time I decided, you know what, this just really isn't for me. I need to do my own thing. That was in 1994 and I've never looked back. Right. And you, you said at the beginning, Pete, full-time entrepreneur. And I think we see a lot of people, and I would say even probably for the first, maybe even 10 or 15 years of my business, I was more a freelancer than an entrepreneur. Do you find that a lot where a lot of people think they're an entrepreneur or they think they're a small business owner, but effectively they're an employee for somebody or not quite, but yeah. this kind of mindset. I mean, it's all sort of nomenclature. I think Paul, you know, how you brand it, how you term it. Are you an entrepreneur? Are you a business owner? Are you, you know, all of these different things. Ultimately it's how you see it. And, um, I don't like to put wrap stuff around that as much. It's if you feel you're an entrepreneur and you're doing your own things. And here's the thing, if you're the one that makes the call and somebody isn't making the call for you, then no matter how you frame it, you're the owner of that. Right. And that's ultimately how I look at it is, do you have the ownership in making all of the choices within what you call your business? And if you do, then you're a business owner. I like that. I like that viewpoint. That makes a little bit of a, yeah. Okay. That makes Even a ton of sense. Flip it back to your prior experience, Paul, like you were a freelancer, but did you have the freedom to actually pick and choose who you freelanced for? Oh, for sure. Then you were a business owner the way I see right. it, you know? So, and nobody, like if you wanted to walk away, you would just walk away. And if you like all of these different things, I mean, that's the freedom. That's when you are making your own call, either good or bad then you're in charge. And that's why if you're actually in charge and can do whatever it is to do to either make your business or break your business, then you're, you own it. Right. And what sort of things over those years did you take from one business to the next and from a lesson uh -huh. perspective, what were the things I, that kind of really stood out for you? I think that's why I love coaching now because I have had so many years under my belt and all these different decisions and dealing with all sorts of things. It's like, I love, when I work with people, I mean, there's nothing more that I want than to see them succeed. I mean, that's why I'm a business coach, because I want to help people work through their issues even faster than I did, even better than I did with full knowledge and help along the way so that they can grow and do better. And all of these things, I mean, I call them learnings. <laughs> right. Learnings. Well, yeah. you know, some people might call them mistakes. <laughs> right. <laughs> I call them learnings. I've had lots. Right. And I, I, don't you find sometimes as well that the learnings you actually advance, it provided you take something from it and do something about it, for are sure. way more powerful than sometimes the biggest wins you ever have. Absolutely. The wins are reassuring and reasons it's like when, you know, I'll right now, we are experiencing some great days at Shootopia, for example, our shoe stores. It's beautiful where we are now. The, sea, the temperature is way above what it would normally be as we record this in April. 
and people are flocking in and we are hitting some awesome sales numbers when we look at our sales reporting and stuff like that. And there's other circumstances along that have helped us along the way, like, like the weather. We're very weather sensitive business in footwear. And from that perspective, it's a win. But can I go and say, you know, next April, mid-April can, you know, talk to the big guy upstairs. Can you make <laughs> sure that we hit this weather? No, I can't. All I can do is have, you know, control the controllables, right? We can't control the uncontrollables. But when some of the uncontrollables hit our business, either good or bad, as business leaders, we need to be able to adapt to them and either take the win or change the process so that we can, you know, if this ever happens again, we understand like COVID, for example, right? right. When COVID all happened, our stores were closed for 20, 22 weeks, I think it was in total. I mean, we could have never planned that, but if any, if we ever have another closure, and I'll tell you after the first closure, it was a lot easier to deal with the second closure and the third closure because we had three. But, you know, so we take these wins along the way and we say, okay, well, you know, how can we do this? And we take the losses and we say, how can we improve our process so that, you know, we're going to minimize when things happen to us that are outside of our control. And what else do you see business owners not doing that you've kind of brought into your businesses and found that have helped you and helped you grow and help you succeed and help you successfully sell businesses. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest things as I've been a multipreneur, which, you know, I call it multipreneur, but having several businesses at one time, I couldn't do that if I was wrapped up in making all the decisions for just one. Right. So what I find is that, and I know a lot of the listeners here are small business owners, solopreneurs, all this kind of stuff. And from that perspective, when you're at that stage of business, we get habitualized into, because we have to, making every single decision in our business, right? We're making every single one. Marketing, finance, operations, deals, you know, buy the next apartment unit, whatever the case is. We're making every single decision. But what I'm saying, and I like to think about is, setting up your framework so that when you're ready to release some of the accountabilities to somebody else, you have these frameworks already down so you don't have to recreate the wheel. That makes a ton of sense. So and what are the things that you need to be looking for when you're looking for that person to pass that on to? What are the key well, first, that you've seen? First of all, you're not looking for Jim or Lynn or Tom because often as especially solopreneurs, we're like, oh yeah, my buddy just quit his job. Maybe he'll come work for me, right? And this is like, happens a lot. So we actually find the job that can associate with this person that has, is able to breathe, right? <laughs> and, and right now I just need somebody that can tackle this. And, you know, I know this person, I trust him or her. So, you know, they'll figure it out. That's a problem. Right. That's a problem because typically what we need to do is work the other way around where you're saying, okay, well, I don't want to do the books anymore for my small business. And I'll tell you just a personal story. I've got a couple of business degrees. I mean, I'm pretty good with books. I choose not to do it because I don't like it. So my bookkeeper will come to me often and say, how should we do this or whatever the case is? Because she knows I have a good background with books and she'll, we'll talk about different things and ultimately she'll go ahead and move ahead in the direction. But, you know, from that perspective, I choose not to do books because it frustrates me and I don't like it, even though I'm good at it. So 
when we're aligning and assigning that kind of stuff, I wouldn't just say, well, I happen to know a, a friend of mine who does some books on the side. And I'm just going to get like, do you, is that one of the things you need to get off your plate? And if it is, then that's a good opportunity. But don't just pick something that you know somebody for. Make sure that it's actually something you need to get off your plate and align it and assign it. Well, I've got another framework called the four A's, which is assess it, address it, align it, and assign it. And that's how you assign accountability, right? You assess what it is you need. You address all the things that need to change. You align it on your accountability chart and you assign it to the right person, okay. right? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, when you're thinking about whomever, like it could be a property manager, you actually don't want to look after these properties anymore. You want to assign a property manager. So when I'm doing that on the accountability chart, it's like, okay, I'm going to assign a bookkeeper. I'm going to assign a property manager. I'm going to assign a manager for this. I'm going to assign whatever it is that I'm currently doing because I don't want to do it anymore. Right. And like I said, when we first start up, we kind of have, we kind of have to do everything and that's normal, right? What's not normal is if you're still doing everything 10 years later and because you're habitualized into making every small business, uh, every small business, even though you might have a lot more money now, you just can't release the reins. That's not normal. Right. And you'll never be free. I was going to say, do you, you say it's not normal, but do you not see it? That's pretty common, I'm guessing. Totally common. Right. Yeah. But it's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's very true. Because you got into business with this idea that you wanted more freedom. Right. right. You didn't want to have to answer to people. You didn't want to have to make all the decisions. You have these dreams and every person, every entrepreneur's business dreams are unique to them. But you might say, I want to, you know, spend, I'll use an example for me. One of mine was I wanted to go away in the winter. I mean, where I live, it's cold in the winter. I spent the month of March in Florida. And because that's something that was one of the freedoms that I wanted. So I set my business up to allow me to do that. It took a little while and that's fine. But if I have the guiding principle that I want to spend some of my winter months in warm weather, then that lets me start making the decisions and assigning the accountabilities to have things happen when I'm not around in the way that they should so that I can enjoy my life the way I want to. Right. But let's take a step back for a second. How does a business owner determine what are those, you know, that, you know, you want business for freedom, potentially. Yeah. You mentioned before we started this conversation about the five P's. So yeah. tell us yeah. a little bit about that framework because that would yeah. seem to fit for sure. a lot of people listening. Before we go into the five P's, I'll just I'll rewind a little bit and say, how do we know? Well, we know by doing some deep soul searching into what it is you want out of your life. Before you build the business, you understand with full clarity what you want out of your life. And so, and a lot of people sort of, work backwards on this too, but having the guiding star of what you want out of your health, wealth, relationships, purpose, you know, all of that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. family gives you your guiding principles for how you need to set up your business. Right. And so often when I start with clients, we go back to that. We go back to, it's like, okay, well, what do you truly want out of this? So now we can go back and overlay the five P's and overlay some of these other frameworks onto your business so that we start crafting the business to give you back your freedom, right? And so when we look at the five P's, the five P's, it's just a framework, a structural strat strategic framework that 
goes like this. I'll give you the five P's and we can dig into them. But they are understand your promise, align your products, process, and people to that promise so that you can earn the right amount of profit. And the profit really is the idea that if I have full clarity as to what I want to do with that profit, like what I want to do with my life, essentially, now I start aligning that. Because profit's not just always about money. It might be I want more time. It might be, you know, for whatever those things are, that's what we need to sort of figure out so that we can build all these other things underneath it to support that. Think of it as a foundational framework, right? We're propping up your life with your business as opposed to your life propping up your business forever and ever at 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Right. Do you find, because I'm thinking of myself, I probably started my business for all the wrong reasons. (laughs) originally, you know, it was to get away from the corporate thing. It was, I wanted, I thought I wanted, or it was going to give me more freedom or whatever, but it probably was not a very well thought out planned conscious decision. It was more of a, maybe more of a knee jerk reaction to I've had enough of this place. Yeah. And and I think I can bring enough business to kick me off. It's going to pay the bills for the first few months and off we go. And I, I can imagine a lot of people listening to this have, pr- have probably done the same with, you know, they bought a couple of properties, they're getting a bit of cash flow, and now they're thinking, well, all I need is a couple more properties, and then I replace my corporate income. So they go for it, but they're they haven't done this piece that you've said, this important searching for that star and, and defining what that is. Yeah, I think that's an interesting concept too. And when you start a business, are you trying to? F- flee from something or are you trying to go towards something? And that's a unique thought as well. You know, as a young 23 year old starting my first business, I wasn't, well, I kind of was fleeing from working for somebody else, but not really. I was more in lines with the idea around what could this bring to me as opposed to what do I need to get away from? And both happen for different reasons and whatever position you, the listener here today, came to owning your own business, it doesn't really matter that much why, but it's worthy of some thought because if you're trying to flee something, that's a very different idea of setting up a business as opposed to setting up a business to try and achieve something. And what I'm saying is usually I like to start off by saying, what is it you want to achieve and what is it what you want to achieve out of your life? Because even if you came into the business this way, now we're going to set the business up to go the next step, which is what do you want? And do you find often, or do you find sometimes you're having to kind of almost completely redesign the business for somebody because what they have in place is not what's going to get them to where they want to go? It depends on how frustrated they are, Paul. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, so, because as a former business broker, I used to help people buy and sell businesses, right? And one of the reasons a lot of people sell their businesses because they're frustrated with it because they don't want to do it anymore. It's like, I am done. Well, why are you done? You liked this business at one time in the past. Yeah, I did. I don't want to work 50, 60, 70 hours a week anymore. I don't want to do this. I don't want to make these decisions. I don't want to, and all this, all the reasons. Well, really it comes down to your business is most valuable when you aren't even in it. And so that's why I've created these frameworks that, you know, I call it turning from operator to owner, going from operator to owner. Because when you move to the owner box and you have your accountabilities aligned and assigned and processes in place, that's what we call, and you know, I know a lot of your listeners are property owners, but that's what we call a turnkey business. 
Why is it called a turnkey? Because when you open the door to that house, it's ready to roll. You don't need to do any renovations to it, right? Right. It's ready to go. Move them in. Well, that's what owners actually want when they buy a business. They want to open the door, sit at the owner's desk and go, okay, everything's going pretty good. I feel good about this investment. And, you know, they're going to tweak a little bit and everything. But if they open the door and there's a fire inside, <laughs> right? Right. Because the owner's now right. gone and all yeah. the decision-making power and all the other stuff, all the knowledge was in that person's head and his, the, it's crumbling around him because everybody was aligned to that person and, or her, you know, and all of this stuff. It's like, wow, what did I just get here? Because, you know, you could say the same thing with an investment property, you know, you open the door and if you didn't do your homework and if you didn't, you know, do the, do the pre looks at everything and get all of your, you know, check out the roof and all that kind of stuff. Like it's the same thing with a business. So my structure around this is that you need to create this even just to sell your business, right? Mm -hmm. Properly and to get maximum dollar for it. And what I find is that when most people get to this point where they actually have things kind of running on wheels and it's like, you know, it's really nice now. And I'm actually working in the area of the business that I truly enjoy, which I call it your love it zone. I don't really need to, I don't feel the need to sell this business because I actually was selling it to get rid of it. Like right. I didn't want, I was frustrated, but now that I have the freedom to live and it becomes a, an investment then, right? Like another property. And so when it's an investment, as opposed to a job near the owner, not the operator, then this becomes, it's like, should I keep this in my portfolio or should, I, and maybe you choose to sell it and that's fine too. But like I look at my Shootopia stores and at this point in time, I don't know why I would ever sell my Shootopia stores because I basically work in them about give or take a day a week. I'm going to be working in them tomorrow because it's our busy time of the year. I like to work when it's busy in our stores. I enjoy selling shoes. So I'm actually going to and help my team out in their busiest times. And, you know, if as a business owner, you should expect to work in your business in its busiest times. But if it's busiest times are every single day, 12 hours a day, then that's a problem. Right. That's funny. I was having a conversation at an event just last night with somebody and he was at yeah, that 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Yeah. And it, it, he was at that point where it's, yeah, I'm just done. I'm out of here. And mm -hmm. then he made the decision, okay, I'm going to 45 hours max. But then he what I admired about it was that he then enforced that for everybody in the company. Nobody could work beyond 45 hours and now it's down to 40, but now he's down to 20. And he said, now just to your point, he wouldn't, why would he sell the business? He can turn up when he wants to, he can get involved when he needs to, but otherwise it runs itself. So exactly. And I mean, that's when we go back to overlaying the five P's, that's the profit portion, right? So you want to set up your business to have the most amount of profit either for yourself or to put it up so that you get the right multiple that you want when you go to sell it. Right. And it all starts with having the right promise, right? right? And the promise is basically, you know, everybody kind of gets the idea behind a vision and a mission. I look at the vision as being sort of your 25-year guiding star, your mission as being sort of that one to three framework of what you need to knock off. And your promise is different because vision and mission are inwardly facing. Right. The promise is outwardly facing. So the promise really, if I flip it, because we've been talking a little bit about Utopia, 
if I flip it to my shoe stores, I would say that the promise with that business is to help our customers look great and feel fantastic. Those four words. What do we want them to do? We want them to look great and feel fantastic. That's our promise to you when you come to Shootopia. And what does that mean? Well, I've narrowed it down to nine letters. Ooh, ah, and aha. So when you look in the mirror, you got your pair of shoes on, you look in your mirror and you're like, ooh, I look pretty good, right? We want them to look good. That's our promise, right? And then you close your eyes and you're like, ah, those feel fantastic. So look good, feel fantastic, right? So if I can deliver that, and we have a sales process around how we deliver that, get them into their shoes, get them in front of the mirror, you know, all of the different things. And then when they're at the till, they don't feel so bad about what they're paying for the price of the shoes because they got exactly what they wanted to look good and feel good and feel fantastic. And at the end of the day, they walk out the door, they look back at Shootopia and they're like, you know what? Shootopia is my favorite shoe store. That's what I'm trying to do. That's the aha moment. So we have ooh, ah, and aha built around that promise. And I ask you, the listener here, what's your promise for your business and how are you wrapping language around it? And how are you know telling the story? Like I just told the story for Shootopia. How are you telling the story about what it is that you do? You know, at Simplifying Entrepreneurship, I want to give people their time back, right? It's like, I don't want you to work 50, 60, 70 hours a week. Let's set up the frameworks to reduce the frustration so that you can move from operator to owner in your business. I love the, the fact as well that you just told a story that took, I don't know, 90 seconds, maybe two minutes. It doesn't need to be complicated or fancy words or, I mean, you, you simplified it, but you made it so impactful. That was such a great example. Well, you know, and I throw this out to the listener, you know, how many times are you talking about your business and how many times are you stumped at what it is you do? If you're stumped at what you should, what you're doing, you need to come up with a promise and there's mechanisms behind that and frameworks behind that we can talk about too. But essentially like, what is that promise? How are you telling it so that everybody understands it in common language? Like you said, it's got to be simple. It's got to be something that any, if they have no idea what your business is, you can still explain it in common language, right? So people get the idea that, you know, business owners are busy people. And people get the idea that they work a lot, especially if you're a business owner, and that you may want your freedom, right? So it's like, if you're at that stage, then maybe we should talk because right. that's what I do. And if you're looking for a comfortable pair of shoes that looks great and it's going to make you feel fantastic, then you should probably go to Shootopia, right? right. And because that's what we deliver. So what is it that you deliver and how are you letting people know that you deliver that? And then you're building... Your product has to be aligned to that promise. And if it isn't, there's problems. Your process has to be aligned to that. And your people have to be aligned to that. And if there's, and this is often the areas that I work in with most businesses, is that there's places that aren't aligned. <laughs> it's like, we need or, to go or, to- Or people. <laughs> yeah, right. And we need to go to work on these, right? So, you know, whether you sell a product or a service, that's, you know, it's up to the business that you run as a listener here. And so- understanding that the product that you used to sell five, 10 years ago may have changed and your customers may not want that anymore. And a lot of the times people just get habitualized into selling what they've always sold and they aren't looking for the new thing. So I like the whole Pareto principle. 
the 80-20 rule, but I kind of break it down into 10-80-10, which is get rid of that 10 that just isn't selling anymore and it is not profitable anymore. Hone those middle 80 that gives you the majority of your business and always be looking for the new 10% that's coming into whatever it is that you do so that you can be leading the charge as far as competition goes, as opposed to being one of the laggards. Right. And I'm just thinking the listeners, the real estate investor, I would think some of them probably don't even see what they're selling as a product, but they are. I mean, totally, a, totally. A, rental, a rental property, for example, is a product, but I think a lot of people probably still view, well, a rental product's a rental product is a rental product, but that's not, not necessarily the case, is it? Because it's, it's not what it was five years ago. If you look at rental properties yeah. now, very different. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, I mean, my background for 15 years was working for property managers. I mean, we used to refinish a thousand bathtubs a year and we used to put in bathtub liners and wall systems. We used to spray cabinetry. We used to work in and out of a thousand units a year. So I have extensive knowledge with property managers. And I can tell you that there are many people that run their business very differently than others. Right. And there are renters out there that want to work with and occupy their units from a good property manager, not a bad one. And how are you marketing that even, you know, like what makes you different than just the other person? Are you a small property manager or do you have offer personalized service? Are you on site as opposed to off site? Do you live close? Like all these different things. Are you available to answer their questions? You know, have you done the upgrades where some other competitive products have not? Are you marketing that? You know, there's just all sorts of different avenues to take when we look at your product, because all of the marketing around that revolves around your promise to your clients, the product that you have and your process, right? The process is the next P. And it came up with a little sort of saying around process and a process should, and each one of these starts with the word process or each letter starts here, but it's prevent recurring overwhelm, clarify, evaluate, simplify, and systematize. So if you think about that again, what should a process do? It should prevent recurring overwhelm. I don't want to be overwhelmed by this anymore, right? It should clarify what's happening. It should evaluate what's happening. It should simplify what's happening and it should systematize it. So now I can take it and assign accountability to someone else. And how critical is that assign an accountability? Because that. It's the only way to freedom. It's the only way. Yeah. So if you, unless you're going to stay where you're always at, where you're at right now, and you're happy with your sort of freedom level, if you're not happy with your freedom level, the only way out of that is to start assigning accountability because decisions need to be made at the lowest possible level of your organization. Every time decisions need to be made at the lowest possible level of your organization. If the decision always has to come back up to you, you're never going to be free. Actually, I'm thinking as well that. You know, we see this in corporate all the time, don't we? Nobody is given responsibility. It just has to be referred up <laughs> until it so, disappears somewhere to the ether. I mean, and it's frustrating as well for the customer. Incredibly frustrating. So, you know, most of the listeners are solopreneurs, but I'll flip it back into our shoe stores because it's simple. Like you had just said, it made me think of it. If you had a return at a shoe store. And you walk in with your shoe that's like, you know what, I, my wife got it. It's a nine and a half and I wear a 10. It's a little bit small. And you're standing at the cash and that cashier basically said, well, our business owner is out today and we only do returns when he's here because he has to authorize them. And 
you know what? He went to Florida for the month. So we should be able to authorize this for you in 28 days upon his return. How's that sound? <laughs> That's lost your aha, I think. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So just think about that. It's like my, at the, at the authority level that my sales team has, they have the absolute authority to make that and to flip it out for a size 10 or to give them their money back if that's what they choose, right? Like I want to reduce the frustration for my clients every time. And I want to push that decision down the pole with as much process as I can and assigning accountability as I can so that those decisions can be made at that level so that the people, which is the fourth P, are happy. That's right. the way to profit. And I can imagine that's also great from a, an employee engagement retention because they feel empowered. They're not idiots. They can make these decisions. So Gosh, yeah. Yeah. And here's another thing. Your team actually wants to make decisions for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard to release as a solopreneur type thing too, because we've been in, you know, We've been having to do all these decisions and we're so used to, it's burned into our ether that we have to make these decisions. So releasing the ability to make a decision is often very hard for people who are just starting this again. And I can tell you, here's the other end of it. When you start releasing them and they're being done properly, you want to release everything. <laughs> and that's fun too, when you start going into that. And sometimes we release too much because we don't have the right amount of process there. And we're trying to release stuff without actually clearing up and clarifying our process before we hand it over, because we're so excited about the fact that somebody can now do this, that I don't actually set up the process properly in order to give them the ability to do this properly. Yeah, one, one kind of final question I had for you. What about the solopreneur or very small business where yeah. they, they're ready to take on people, but they don't mm -hmm. want to hire employees because of the whole employee. Yeah. So. What can they do when you're hiring somebody who is effectively a freelancer? How do you still put the five P's in place and how can you still make things work for you? How is it any different? It's not. So that fourth P, your people, it doesn't matter if they work for you or work with you. And from that perspective, you still need to have the right process. They still need to understand your promise. They still need to align and with what it is you do. And they have to have sort of capability and confidence and capacity to do that, right? So you would test them, you know, like if I'm going to say for the sake of this interview, I'm going to, you know, have somebody do my book work for me, or maybe I want to hire a rental agent. I don't need a rental agent personally, because I only have whatever, 10 doors, something like that. And I can't really afford to hire a rental agent, but I don't want to have to do that anymore. So I'm going to hire an outsource partner. Well, you go through your process. And if they can't do the process the way you need it done, then they aren't the right fit for you. It's your business. So the only time that you're going to bring on an outsource partner is if they can do the process in the way that you need it done. And if they can't, find someone else. You know, it's really that sort of thing. So you need to hone that process to the point where you're confident that if you hand it over to somebody else, this is the way as I don't know whether anybody is <laughs> wa watching that. What's the Star Wars one that's out these days, but he always says, this is the way. And so it's an, it's an interesting thing, but it's your way. You're the business owner. So understand what you need that process to do. Understand that the out, what the outcome is that you need so that when anybody's coming in to you know, look at a unit. This is the process. This is how we do it at ABC Rentals. 
And whomever's doing it does it that way so that you get the outcome that you want, right? And then you can assign the accountability to that person. And you're like, hey, when we do this, we take in a, you know, they have to fill out these forms. We go and show them. We, you know, what's the, what are the seven steps to, you know, going from application to here's your keys. And that's the seven steps, right? Right. And so when you have a clear process that's clarified, that's really addresses, assesses, aligns, and assigns, then it's simple. It's like clockwork. And when it becomes like clockwork, why do you need to be involved in that decision? Why do I need to be involved in returning a shoe at my shoe store? I don't. There are other people that are very confident and happy and able to do that work. Good point. I had a couple of questions I'd like to ask guests before we kind of wrap up and let people know where they can find out more from you. Yeah. Uh, who is a favorite personal brand of yours, an individual and why? Yeah. One of my favorite is, is Joe Polish. Joe Polish is a awesome entrepreneur, marketer extraordinaire, runs a company called Genius Network and is just really at the top of his game. Somebody who's been through a lot of struggles. You know, he's done a lot of work for addictions because he's an addict and, or was an addict and gives back to his community and the community of entrepreneurs. So I, I really appreciate Joe Polish. Okay. Just, just wrote a book too. I can't think of the name right off the top of my head, but yeah, uh, I think I'd heard that somewhere. Yeah. yeah. We'll try and look it up and put it in the yeah. show notes. Yeah. Um, and then what about a favorite business book or podcast? There's so many. I mean, as if anybody's watching, I'm a big, I'm an avid reader there. I just, I'm always on the go. The, the book that I'm reading right now is called get your time back by Dan Martell, another Canadian. And uh, yeah, I really, just finished it. Yeah. Buy, yeah. Buy back your time. Buy, buy back, back your time. time. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I have been enjoying that book and I'm probably two thirds of the way through or thereabouts. And so I'm always reading and I just, I have this sort of philosophy of never ending learning. And it's just one of those things that I'm always listening to podcasts, always reading books, always looking for the new knowledge. And that allows me to share not only my ideas, but ideas of other awesome people that have been through all sorts of things with the clients that I work with, you know? What about a new piece of technology that you're enjoying using? Oh, chat GPT is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, I use it every day. It's such a great tool. It's, uh, I've done some workshops for clients on recently on ChatGPT and the power of it and what, how you can use it within your business. And I just really having a lot of fun with that tool. And uh, I mean, I just see there's so much potential for how this can help us all as business owners. Yeah, this is, and this is just the beginning. No. I mean, this is what, six months old? Not even. Yeah, not even. I think not it even. released yeah. the end of November. So yeah. I've been playing with it since probably mid-December and have just, it's just been all consuming around certain things. And it's just, I, I mean, there's a lot of naysayers out there. I'm, I'm of the other philosophy. I just think this is such a powerful thing to look forward to I, because I love business. i look at apps and all of these different things. I don't really care what the name of it is, chat GPT or whatever you want to call it, but right. the power of AI is incredible for business owners. And I'm excited to see you. I'm very excited to see what the next sort of five years brings with it. Yeah. And I think it's, a, it's the approach of how can this help me in my business? Where can it fit in? It's not going to be the perfect answer obviously but no what could it do i mean you talk about processes that's an ex classic mm. example where ai could enhance a process for minimal cost and implementation and so yeah, good i mean rewards. yeah i uh, just quickly i mean i in my webinar that i did we put together a business plan 
uh, social media for 30 days, hiring plan, firing plan, job descriptions, all sorts of stuff for a new business that we thought about literally in the webinar, all in 25 minutes. Whoa. With yeah, ChatGPT. That's the scary thing. As you see it, you put the thing in and almost straight away, it's coming back at you. It's 25 minutes. We had like, it would have taken me a week to do that in the past. Cause I've done that building businesses, you know, all your business plan, all the stuff in behind it. And I mean, was it perfect? No, but was it 80% of what I needed? Absolutely. And that's what we need as entrepreneurs just to get us over the procrastination of letting this sit because it seems like too daunting a task. Right. It gets you started. That's yeah. what I love about it. Yeah. You're right. And do you have a particular quote that you inspires you or motivates you? Or Yeah, you know, lots. But the one I was thinking about today was, and we've talked a little bit about it here with regards to freeing up your time, right? And Dean Jackson, who is another one of my very favorite marketers, he, I don't know whether this is his quote, but I definitely heard it from him, which is, there are only 24 hours in a day. You can't buy more and you'll never use less. So that, think. Yeah, that's great. That completely sums up our conversation. I think that's, yeah. Think about how you're using your time. You can't buy more. You can buy other people's time, right? But right. you can't buy more and you'll never use less. It's okay. neat. It's neat to think about that. And how are you using your time? And is it actually providing you with the life that you want to live because that's why you got into business, right? You got into business because you had these dreams of living a better life and having more freedom. Right. Pete, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Lots of great insights. How can people find out more about you? Where can they go? So as you had mentioned, I have a podcast too. It's called Business Owner Breakthrough. So if you're, you probably are a podcast listener, if you're listening to this, so slide on over to podcast or to Business Owner Breakthrough. Quick, like under 10 minute podcasts. and. The best way is go to simplifyingentrepreneurship.com. Or if you want to talk to me about if we're a right fit for coaching for your business, then just go to speaktopete.com. That's speaktopete.com. And we'll have a 15 minute chat and see if we're a good fit. And if not, maybe I can point you in the right direction of somebody who might be. Nice. Wonderful. Okay. We'll make sure all of that is in the show notes. And uh, Pete, thank you for today and have yourself a brandtastic day. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks. Well, was that brandtastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business? So get to it. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.